So, Minister Eamon Ryan, um, thank you for visiting Kilkenny and thanks for popping in to us today. Obviously, a main part of your visit is to pop along to the County Council and get some sort of insight as to how they're getting on with the Climate Action Plan. Um, what would be the key things that you'd like to see uh, coming up in the Climate Action Plan for the Council here? Well, the first thing would be listening and sharing my own kind of thoughts. People will know, listeners will, well, first of all, like we... If anyone after this summer comes back and says, are, are you sure this climate change is real? Um, this summer has blown that out of the water. I mean, look at the temperatures today. Look at the fact that there's flooding in Hong Kong, there's flooding in Greece, there's flooding everywhere at the one time. And we have to take action now. I think a vast majority of Irish people agree with that. Vast, vast majority. And it doesn't change between rural and urban, rich, poor, young, old. I think everyone realises that the world is at risk and we have to act. So what are we doing? Well, um, two years ago, we wrote a very strong climate law that puts us, do, says what we have to do uh, as part of the international agreements we've signed. But also, it'll have to be good for us. Like, we won't do it if it's a punishment thing or if it's, if it's a hardship thing. So we know we have to have our emissions in a decade and go carbon-free pretty much, or net zero, they call it, by the 2050, the middle of this decade. And we can do it. Um, what the law said is that by the next February, each local authority will also have to develop its own plan. So mm. that's why I'm going around to local authorities. As I said, listening and also sharing experience. We've resourced, we've, we've provided the staff now for every council in the country to help it. And and so I'd be, I suppose we'd be listening and looking, where is the big emissions or how can we reduce emissions? It'll be in the areas of energy, transport, agriculture, waste, how we, um, uh, circular economy, you know, consuming less in a clever way. And those councils and those towns and those counties that are good at it are the ones that I think are going to thrive and succeed in this world because... This is the way the world is going and it has to go. And, and I think Ireland, we can and will be good at it. And I suppose my job as Minister for the Environment is, is to listen, work with people, pull people together to make it happen. I mean, obviously, the latest edition of that Climate Action Plan was published, I think, in December of last year. Um, how was that plan amended, for example, from previous editions? And uh, what were the key new features added, given that things are changing constantly? It does keep changing. I think in the last iteration, I mean, there's a lot of progress being made on energy. Like it, it is really starting to work. Because, and we have a huge advantage in energy because we can switch to renewable power. So in the previous year, we had put in kind of the sort of measures that are now working, the likes of retrofitting, like really big increase in the grants, um, committing to develop offshore wind, which we're on track to do now, um, switching to solar. Like there, there's a revolution taking place, not just in Ireland, but across the world. But even in cloudy Ireland, uh, solar is, excuse the pun, going through the roof. So that was probably the first major development. Last year, there was a lot of focus on transport and, and kind of trying to look at how can we switch towards a low carbon system and have a better transport system. Mm. So committing to the kind of you know, investment in public transport to, um, to managing demand, to try and reduce the volume of traffic and, and in that way make it work better for everyone, but also reduce our emissions. Um, and it'll keep evolving each year. I mean, this this November, December, we have a real challenge in land use and in, in how we store some of the carbon in our forestry, in our peat bogs and so on. So that, that'll probably be the kind of, the, you know, that we, we have a big body of work to do now in the next few months 
to complete that. And, and, and the idea is that it keeps, you learn by doing, you admit uncertainties, like, you know, how you make change is not easy and you're best to do it in a way which is collaborative and which is saying, OK, we'll try this and, and then if that doesn't work, we'll adjust. And, and so that kind of annual plan which keeps changing, I think, is the right way to go. We'll talk about transport again in a moment, but just to go back to the point about renewables, um, we have such access to so many of those renewable potential sources of energy. Could you ever see a situation where, in the same way that Norway, for example, has benefited from the oil industry and the energy that it generates through that form, where Ireland could become not just a European leader but a global leader in in the production of of, of renewable energy? We're already there. You know, and people may be surprised at that, but we have a lot of onshore wind. People Mm. can see across the country turbines. And that represents... What about the offshore stuff? That's coming. But what we've done is we've learnt onshore how you integrate that sort of variable power supply to meet our needs. And in that learning, as I said, we're probably one of the world-leading countries. You're right. The, the opportunity now is to go offshore and the scale of the resource is what's incredible. We're, we're a small island. Our sea area is about seven times our land area and it happens to be in one of the windiest places on the planet. And wind energy and solar, I suppose, are the two that are really taking off. And the economics uh, of that now make it the cheapest form of power. Like we have high energy prices at the moment. Like it's tough because of the war in Ukraine, but also because we're dependent on imported fossil fuels. We're running at about 40% renewables. Within eight years, that'll be up to about 80% our own power, our own renewable power. And that then will start to bring the price down and then gives us an opportunity, as you say, to become an energy exporter, to do what Norway does with gas and oil. We will do with wind power and we will. I'm going to London on Monday. I'll be talking to the UK minister about building more interconnections so that we can uh, balance our system with the UK and sell into the UK market. We have a similar interconnector we're building with France. So uh, and the the benefit of those interconnectors is that when it's calm here, when there isn't a windy day, you can import power to meet your needs. So mm. so I think we're on track for that. I think it's inevitable. I think in the energy part of the transition, actually, it's just a matter of how quick because because it is, it's where all the money's going. It's where all the technological development is happening, all the expertise is. So it's going to happen in energy. The really challenging areas is probably going to be in transport and agriculture yeah, yeah. because they're... They're harder to change. They're kind of parts of patterns that we've put in place are, are kind of uh, over decades and therefore it's not as easy to reverse. But but they too will have to change. But energy is happening. We'll come to uh, agriculture, obviously a huge point of interest here in Kilkenny and Carla. But what would you say to people who, when we comment on uh, the Green Party's approach to, to trying to get people into public transport, that it's probably impractical um, for most people and certainly impossible for many people, if, particularly if you're living outside of the M50. I mean, you know, people travelling around Kilkenny and Carlow, the bus routes, the interconnectivity of those transport systems just don't sit with people's day-to-day lives. I'll go back to saying earlier on to start there, this won't work if it isn't if it isn't better for people. Like we're mm, not going absolutely. to do this in terms of saying you know, how dare or you're the problem or you it'll only work if it's better. And that is like well, we introduced a, a new bus service in Kilkenny, town service. I think everyone in Kilkenny would agree that's been a huge success. Yeah, La- they are. I mean, we've got the interconnector route going up um, up towards Carlow, and Carlow Town now has its own bus route going in there. I was I was just going to say, Carlow Town, I, I had the privilege to open to launch that uh, the month before last. 
And actually, I can see a Carla town could turn towards a much more sustainable transport system reasonably quickly. We, we, we have some active travel projects where we want to make it safe for people to get out to the university, uh, connecting up the, the town centre in, in a kind of new way with that new bus service. But would, so, you, would, you, would you agree, though, that for many people, and it may just simply be a logistic issue that takes years or decades to get over, that for many people, public transport, certainly outside of Dublin, um, is not practical with their day-to-day lives. We're introducing a new rural bus service every week. Mm. We started about two years ago. The first service we put in was, it was around the Ring of Kerry, sorry, the Slayhead Peninsula on the Dingle Peninsula in Kerry. And it turned from what was a kind of a really infrequent service and something that was reliable, regular, cheap. And it was incredible. We've seen something like a 20-fold increase in passenger numbers. So when you provide a good service, people want it, particularly younger people. That service has now been used. People get to football training, get out for a night, get to work, get to college. So if you provide the service, the Irish people are flocked to it. And, and that sort of one week, every week, a new world service we're going to deliver. Well, the other reason I'd say, just, I was saying to chatting before we, we just went on air, yeah. um, like I was watching this traffic this morning coming into Kilkenny, like on the Carla Road, on the Dublin Road, like... The alternative where, every, where there isn't that public transport system and where everyone has to drive doesn't work for anyone. It, I mean, I'm sure people noticed this morning, you know, the volumes of traffic are back because schools are back, because yep. everything's doing well, you know, the, the economy's doing well, people are employment. So if everyone is, doesn't have the choice, well, then you get gridlock. You know, and that doesn't work for anyone. So that's why in government... We're switching the expenditure as much as much as we can towards public transport to make it safe to walk and cycle because we think that's actually a better solution for everyone because when people who can use and it's not pointing the finger at anyone who's in a car it's not mm. it's not going to work if it's kind of I blaming change but I think that's the, the impression that maybe people have and I know you're obviously passionate about the environment and many people at home are passionate about mm. the environment but do you think it's from a green party's perspective specifically? It's those smaller, and they're all they're all big in their own right. I know, mm. but it's those smaller practical challenges that may be the thing that turn people away from from some of those larger and more important scale objectives. Well, if you if people turn away, that's their choice. But 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 it's not our job is to try and provide it so that it's easier to make this switch. Not as I said to turn it into a moral issue or into a finger pointing issue and turn blame issue. Mm. It's to make sure that we do develop and design our country in a way that works for everyone, that is socially just, that is effective, you know, that we we have a good functioning economy, we can provide for our our prosperity. And I don't think that's impossible. I I think actually the risk is if we don't make that leap, we would fall behind Mm. and and, um, it wouldn't be as attractive a country. So that's the way we have to go. A large part of your visit today is obviously heading out to Tierlon later on this afternoon to discuss how we produce food. I mean, how well is Ireland doing in that regard compared to its counterparts, especially given the importance of the agri-sector to our own economy? We have the real potential. It's not just potential, it's a reality because we have, we're, we're blessed with a very mild climate with a very long grass growing season and a pastoral system, a grass fed out in the field system that is much more, in my mind, sustainable in terms of animal welfare and in terms of the 
impact on the environment. You know, compared versus you've a big in China and in America, you've a massive feedlot where you're shipping soy meal up from Brazil and you're, uh, you know, cattle 10,000 to a lot and, and you've yeah. got big water issues. We don't have that. We have the real, and we have a family farming system, which is small farmers. I mean, relative to those international Texas ranchers with, you know, 20,000 cattle, ours are small. Uh, but, and so I think we do have a real advantage and a real potential. And now we have to make sure, uh, and sorry, the potential to trade on large and green brand, which is what we're doing. Now, in doing that, we have to make sure that we're really green. We have to make sure that our waters are clean. That, you know, there has been, we've lost, like every part of the world, we've seen a deterioration in our environment. We've seen, we've gone from something like 500 pristine water systems down to 20. Mm. That's come back slightly recently. There is hope. And um, I was talking to my colleague Malcolm Noonan last night. Um, when you give nature the chance to come back, like the likes of the sight of those ospreys coming back, which feed off the water, you know, they're, they're birds of prey which catch the trout off, the, off clean water rivers. They're coming back when you do turn that around. Nature comes back quite quickly. And I think the advantage or the future for Irish farming, and I think I'm absolutely certain Tierlon agree with this, um, is, is, is in that origin green direction. I think there are various principles to it. Firstly, I think we should do and design everything in our farming to protect the family farming system. I think it's the bedrock of our rural communities. I think it's the, it's the strength of our rural communities. So therefore, we shouldn't go towards a system. I mean, at the moment, it's hard to get young people into farming, mm. particularly maybe in the more marginal farming areas. You know, obviously in dairy, there's a real, you can make a very good living while well, the prices come down, I know, recently, but in, in recent years, <laughs> oh, you know... Oh, the text lines light up now after oh, you no, say yes, that. We're fully aware of that. But at the same time, you know, there is a real, um, there can has been a very good income in recent years from the dairy sector, less so in some of the other. I mean, vast majority of Irish farms are not making that sort of revenue. So we do have to look and think how do we get this right for every part of the country. Uh, and I think we can do that. I think there are technological developments in farming which give us an opportunity. This, I know I'm, I'm going into the technical details here, but, you know, this mixed ward grassland management, yeah. where instead of having a, a kind of single species ryegrass, which you grow with a lot of nitrogen fertilizers, you switch to you have a, s- a series of different grass types and clovers and other plants which have deeper roots and which are more resilient because they can survive in by either drought conditions or heavy rain conditions and which all the evidence is now showing lines of state up up in UCD showing the results that it finishes cattle quicker about six weeks earlier much better much um, better economics because the farmer doesn't have to spend so much on those artificial fertilizers and much better for biodiversity so I, I'm sure Tierland, I know that they they kind of agree that that sort of direction is where we is is where we need to go, and I know it's been very contentious. Like there's a lot of debate and distrust, mistrust, or whatever. Our job is to try and work through that work work with farming communities. It won't work if it's if it's uh, someone telling someone. Yeah. It has to be us working together, helping each other to create that kind of more sustainable, better paid. Better income, like that's the first kind of thing we need to optimise so that we do get a whole generation of young people into farming. Let's move on to talk then, I suppose, about the future, the future of the Green Party. I mm. mean, with the boundary redraws and, you know, different parties talking about uh, nominations for various different seats around the country, it almost feels like the starting gun is fired on, on the next general election cycle. Uh, polls recently haven't been great for the Green Party. Are we going to see history repeat itself where the uh, junior party in a coalition government 
government is the first to suffer in a subsequent election? I hope not, because I think we are delivering a government what we said we would in the last manifesto, right across very different areas. Um, and I think those what we're delivering is good for people. And like what Roderick O'Gorman has delivered in lower childcare fees is something I think people are really grateful for. What uh, Pip Hackett just agreed develop, uh, delivered the other day in terms of a new forestry program is really f- fundamental. What Catherine Martin delivered in uh, a basic art, a basic income scheme for artists is, is transformative, as well as what we're doing in transport and uh, all those new public transport services I mentioned earlier. Um, I don't think our focus should be on that first, though. I think we have a job to do in government for another year and a half. Mm. I think this government should go to the full term in May, in March 2025. I, I think we have a lot of housing projects we want to deliver, a, a lot of healthcare reform, as well as what we're doing on climate and elsewhere. And do you think Cabinet would be in, in favour of pushing a possible general election out till that time? I think that's a call for the Taoiseach because it is the Taoiseach's prerogative under constitution. But my advice to him would be we should go the full term. I think as well, one of the reasons behind that, um, we have local and European elections next uh, June. They're important. Like we could all trip ourselves up kind of, you know, who's going to form the next government a year and a half's time and miss actually what's the big picture. Who's going to, lo- who's going to be in government in Kilkenny next uh, July? In my mind, it's a really interesting question. Well, what sort of Kilkenny or Carlo do we want? You know, what sort of what's the choices there? And those that vote is the important one. I, I I think we. I mean, yes, the boundary commission was important, and yes, we have to know what the dual constituencies are, and that's fine. But actually, I think our focus is on should be and will be on the local and European elections because there's a huge amount or impact in our lives that depend on those sort of decisions at a local level. How our towns, where we build social housing, how we manage our, our, our local transport system, that's a council decision. Yeah. And, and therefore, I think the focus should be on that first and foremost. And then a year or nine months after that, we can have a general election. Well, thank you for your time this morning, Green Party Leader, Minister Eamon Ryan. Enjoy the rest of your trip thank to you, Kenny, and uh, I'm sure it won't be that long before we talk to you again. No, no.